0: Many people have ideas about the church, but very often these ideas are very misinformed. The church is more than a building. It is a collection of believers who worship Jesus Christ, and the church is the foundation for all ministry. Well, hello and welcome to Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are very grateful that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today as Pastor Keith continues with our teaching series entitled The Blueprint. On today's broadcast, we'll be hearing Part 7 of The Blueprint series. We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. If you have your Bibles, please turn with us now to the book of Ephesians, Chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And we don't run away from the core values of the Christian faith to accommodate the culture. You just can't do that. And when you think about this, this really goes against some of the ideas of our culture, our inclusive culture, in which we live out an exclusive faith. And our inclusive culture, membership in the family of God and the church and the body of Christ, which is the pillar and support or foundation of the truth, is limited to Christ followers, Christians alone. And if we lose track of that and we just, you know, we just kind of let our, let our standards down below God's standards, if we ignore the scriptures, then what we d- begin to do is damage the foundations of our ministry. And when you do that, you begin a drift that leads to you withering and dying over time. So you want to be careful. Now let me tell you what I just did not say to you. What did I not just say to you? I did not say to you that you can't be friends with non-Christians. I did not say to you that non-Christians are not welcome here. I did not say to you, don't invite your, un- your unchurched, unchristian friend to church. And I did not say to you that we are better than non-Christians. I didn't say anything like that. So I don't want to hear that later on. Okay? And let me always encourage you, if you think you hear me say something, Listen to the tape, listen to the audio file, listen to the podcast, and do radio, you know and don't shoot first and ask questions later, okay? <laughs> you see, when we turn away from the worship of God and concern ourselves with accommodating the culture and become obsessed with it, what we do is we try to serve two masters: the culture and Christ. And Jesus himself said, "You can't serve two masters, you'll love one or you'll hate the other." You'll embrace one or you'll neglect the other. And that's why we read in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. The church is for Christ followers. The church reaches out to embrace and point to Christ those who don't know Christ, those who haven't met Christ, those who don't have a relationship with Christ. But that's what God's people do. The church is God's people. The church is made up of Christ followers who explain and share and point other people to Christ just like we're going to try to do in kind of a large way in the community for Easter. That's the church. Accept no substitutes. A lot of times we say, well, we don't wanna be too churchy. I want you to think about that statement. What are you saying when you say that? Years and years ago, when I was in the corporate world, we got gobbled up by the Walt Disney Company. And we had this meeting, and we're all in the room with our new masters, a large, aggressive mouse with big teeth. And this is right before Eisner, if you know the story of Disney, Eisner and Wells came on board. And we're sitting there and my boss's boss's boss stands up and and we're going through and we were a real estate development company and he says, look, you know, we're not some Mickey Mouse organization. We just want you to know that. (laughs) And the president of Disney, whose name I no longer recall, stood up and goes... By that, I guess you mean a high-quality, creative, and financially sound organization. (laughs) We need to be churchy as a church. We need to be who we are, what we are. That doesn't mean we get hung up on man-made traditions. It doesn't mean we get hung up on decor or decorations. It doesn't mean we speak Christianese to those who don't speak the language. It means we are who we are. We are God's people, and we represent him. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now, when people say that, I know what they mean. We don't want to be, you don't want to see me, believe me, you don't want to see me in a robe up here, right? Okay, maybe some of you do, but it's not going to happen, (laughs) All right? You don't want artificial trappings that just turn people off. At the same time, the gospel is an offense, right? That's what Jesus taught. It's the aroma of death to those who are perishing and the sweet aroma of salvation to those who are being saved, When we try to tamper with the message, we are no longer the church. So question number three, more about the church from our blueprint. What are the marks and characteristics of the church? This is critical. What makes a church a church? What's the difference between a church and a small group? What's the difference between a church and a growth group? What's the difference between a church and you and your wife and kids staying home because you've got the flu on Sunday and watching church on television why are these things not the church and never to be confused with the church you get a hit when it says the Lord mandated two ordinances baptism the Lord's Supper which visibly and tangibly express the gospel though they are not a means of salvation when celebrated by the church in genuine faith these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer what is it that makes the church the church it's certainly the ordinances but you could do the ordinances at home Some people do. Some people do it with Gatorade and potato chips, depending on what kind of flu they had. But the bottom line is this. The church has a number of traits that mark it out from a community Bible study or mark it out from even an evangelistic Bible study where you invite everybody in your neighborhood to come to your house. That's not the church. What are the marks of a church? I'm going to have to use a, a dirty word here, and so if you put your hands over your children's ears, formality. OK? When I say formality, I don't mean we say "thee and thou" or anything like that, but there is a structure to the church. There are characteristics of the church. You see that in Acts 2: 41 and 42. So those who received His word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now, this is talking about after Jesus, uh, Peter's Pentecost sermon, when all these people came to Christ. Thousands of people came to Christ. And what we see here is they were saved, they were baptized, they gathered together. They, did, they weren't lone wolves under biblical teaching. They met formally. Or routinely, that's that formal word, they took communion and they prayed. It was they were under the, uh, the apostles' teaching, not the Pharisees, not the Sadducees, and not the culture. And and they had ordinances. Like in, in Acts 19, 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul baptizes people. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who came after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, the people, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Did Paul get that idea from denominational HQ? No. He got it from God. He got it from the Word of God. Apostolic teaching. There are ordinances. There are things that the church has done for 2,000 years that separates it from organizations, that shows it to be an an organism with structure. I have structure. I'm a human being. Some people doubt that, but I am. I have hands and feet and eyes and ears. I used to have hair, but you know, that's just one of those things that you know age takes care of. How how formal is the church? Formality. You remember the old days when you moved your letter from one church to the other? You ever wonder where that came from? It came from the first century church. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 3 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves to you, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? First Corinthians sixteen three. When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And Acts eighteen twenty 2 Corinthians five 12, 1 Corinthians sixteen 3, 2 Corinthians twelve eleven. Romans sixteen one. I can't read all these verses because I'm running out of time. Talks about sending letters. Like it or not, in our laid-back age, there is the church recognized members and committed them to one another and commended them to one another via letter. That was the practice of moving from one church to the other. They had roles or lists of people. You know the story of the first deacons, the proto-deacons in Acts 5. The big stink there in the new infant church was there were people who weren't on the list for the food, food distribution. And the Greek converts to Judaism or in Christianity were complaining against the Hebrew converts to Christianity. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5 9 and 11, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, but refused to enroll younger widows, and he goes into the reasons why. Enrolled in what? Enrolled in the food distribution. They just didn't hand out food willy nilly to anybody who asked about it, there were always strings attached. Churches have procedures. We just talked about Matthew 18,15 through 17. That is the procedure for removing somebody from church membership. Some people say, "Well, I don't believe there's church membership." Well, you probably are one of those unique people who stands alone in 2,000 years of church history, but if you have a procedure to take somebody out of the church, you've probably had membership, right? And ch- church, the church has offices. Offices. You look at first, uh, Titus 1, 5. The reason I left you in Crete was so that you might remain to put in order and appoint elders in every town. First Timothy 3, 1 through 15. I'm not going to read the whole thing. If anyone aspires to the office of elder, he, he desires a noble task. Verse 8. Deacons likewise. Verse 14, I'm writing these things to you, if I delay, that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. Acts fourteen twenty three to 27, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they have believed, and when they arrived, they gathered the church together. An indication of offices and that the church isn't a building, it's people gathered together. Churches have offices, elders, deacons have strict qualifications. And you think about it, I can't go into all those qualifications now. But who would you rather have operating on you, an EMT or a surgeon? Who would you rather have cooking for you, a short order cook or a chef? Would you what's the difference between a movie goer and a director? a trainer versus a head coach, a bookkeeper versus a CPA. The church is very different. Christians, the priesthood of the believer is not in question here. But God has ordained the church to be his people, a collection of people, the body of Christ, an assembly of believers that unite together for ministry. It's for believers only. It has structure whether we like it or not because this is the word of God. Yes, the church is more than a building. But God has a vision and a pattern and a plan for the church. And that's why we're looking at this blueprint today. As we're walking through God, the Bible, the human condition, Jesus Christ, the work of Christ, Christian living, and the church, we want to understand what we need to understand so that we can do God's business God's way, in unity, in harmony with each other. And a lot of times we have our own ideas. And we become proselytized or evangelized by the culture. And we start monkeying around with the structure of the church. And I, I don't want us to make that mistake. I want us to be reaching out to everybody without distinction between race or education or socioeconomic background or whatever. But I want us to understand who we are so we can help them know who God is and what the church is. Which brings us to our fourth question: What or whom is the church's focused? this is another biggie. What is the purpose of the church? Is it a spiritual hospital for the hurting? Is it a spiritual health club for the spiritually healthy? Is it a safe place? Is it a means of social justice? Is it old people versus young people, traditional versus non-traditional? Cultural relevance? Versus Christian relevance? What is the church? Well, we saw this already in Ephesians four six, four 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 through six. It is one body, one spirit called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. The church its focus is not cultural relevance. It is God. The church worships God. The church follows Jesus Christ. If you think about it, we're not postmodern. we're not even modern, we're pre-modern. We're first century. God is our central focus, God is our priority and part of pleasing him involves doing the work, fulfilling the great commission that he has given us, evangelism, teaching people about him, teaching people how to live for him, the focus of the church is worshiping God in a way that pleases him because he is the focus of our worship. The church is about worship. And worship is our singing, our praying, our teaching, and our living out our faith without compromise in a world that needs God's truth, the gospel. Now let me tell you what the church also isn't. It's not walking around the culture sticking your finger in people's eyes and making them mad intentionally. Our goal isn't to make people mad. It's not to act like we're better than everybody else. But it's never ever to put pleasing man in the place of pleasing God. And there's a tension there, a good tension in this culture. We have to walk a fine line and a fateful line. The focus of the church is worshiping God. There's a picture of it in First Timothy 2, 8 through 10. I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also the women should adorn themselves with what is proper for women to, who profess godliness with good works. We are to live out our faith in conspicuous, observable ways. That's how we worship God. According to his dictates, which are found Where? Relevant magazine, Christianity Today? No, it's found in the Bible. Nothing wrong with those magazines. It's not about politics. It's not about buying fair trade coffee. It's, about, it's not about social justice. Those are all good things. But it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's not about designing a worship service that appeals to people who don't like God's word. It's not what it's about. Our goal isn't to put stumbling blocks in their way. But our goal is not to stumble over the conventions of the culture at the expense of the Christ of salvation. This is a difficult balance, a difficult dance to do. Christ is the head of the church. And the big idea is these days many churches have lost understanding of the church and its purpose. And our goal as a people is to make sure that we have that purpose in the forefront of our minds. As we go out those doors into a world that needs the Savior. We are the church, the people of God. The church is made up of Christ followers. In the old days, we called them born-again Christians. I want you to understand that. So what do we do with all this? We understand that God is our focus, right? So for, by way of application, and I put some scant applicational thoughts there in your bulletin in your note pa- on the note page. Understand the church so that you can understand your purpose. You are the church. Are you prepared to do in the days ahead what God has called you and I, us, to do? Ask yourself that question. Two, reconsider your agenda for the church in light of scripture. You are the church. Are you prepared to consider or reconsider your preferences in light of God's word? Whether or not it runs counter to the culture, it should. Three, look to the Bible, because you are the church. Look to the Bible to see if the things that you've heard me say today are true. Be good Bereans. You are the church. Have you studied your operations manual sufficiently? Have you looked at the church's website? Have you looked at our statement of faith? Have you turned it over in your head? Four, Seek to intentionally realign your understanding with the Bible's description of the church and her purpose. You are the church. Are you prepared to intentionally and deliberately pursue the purpose that God has ordained for your life, for his glory, the good of others, and your own growth? And five, which is written there in invisible ink, you only have four of those. Go on the website and read the blueprint and consider its implications for your life and ministry. Now... If you're visiting today and you're not the church, if you know about God but don't know God, you can be part of his family, the household of God. All it takes is putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Is recognizing that you don't have all the answers, but God does. Is recognizing that you're not perfect. In fact, you're not just not perfect, you're sinful. Sin is doing anything outside the will of God. We all do that. We're not better than you, but we have come to God for an ongoing permanent forgiveness of our debt, of our sins, of our infractions against his will. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God stands ready, willing, and able to offer each and every person who doesn't know him personally and isn't part of his family a gift, and that is the gift of eternal life to as many as trusted him who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become his children. Are you his child? Do you want to be? What's holding you back? I want you to think about that today. We want you to be part of the church, the family of God, to know the pleasure of God, to feel the peace of God. We want you to help us do the work of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word that is true. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you sent your son to us to seek and save us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all the good gifts that you give us and that you offer us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who is choosing not to trust you, Lord, that they won't push away the gift that you offer them, that they won't cast aside Christ, but that they will receive the offer of forgiveness that you extend. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.